Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings. Damn, that's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> and the Pro Football Bias Plus Reports. I just got pro football all in it now, Benny. What can I tell you? You know, that's cool. That's what it is, bro. That's what it is. I wondered if people knew, and I said, "Hey, the you know the bias plus reports." If they had any clue, it was about football at one point, you know. So, anywho, this is Ben and Barry on football. <laughs> Thank you. After that long illustrious introduction, this is Ben Dickerson. I'm your co-host. I'm going to be recapping week seven, along with going uh, into the um, power rankings. I think I have some notes here in reference to the um, NFL Network power rankings, so we can do a little quick comparison, at least with the top 10. And um, we'll talk about the Bias Plus reports as well. So uh, let's get it going. Okay, you're up first. Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings and the Bias Plus Reports. And let me edit that and say, I produced the pro football net point power rankings and the pro football bias plus reports. And this is Ben and Barry on Ben. Should I say pro football? Football. Oh, you're getting <laughs> carried away, bro. <laughs> See, now you're getting carried away. Pro, 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 pro. By the way, folks, my name is Ben Dickerson. I'm your co-host. Yes, we talk about professional football. In fact, we talk about all types of football because we are just lovers of the game. But we especially talk about the NFL. And after saying that, I am ready to get started with my recap of week eight. You got Shall it. I begin? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, let's get it started then. First off, uh, oh, yeah. First off, let me just say uh, I'm adorned in my Sixers hat and shirt. Uh, just to remind you that the number one seed Chicago Bulls, which is your team, were taken down by the Sixers last night. My team. Thank and, you very and, and much. And pretty, pretty dominant fashion, too. I'm telling you something. If, if there was going to be a silver lining in this whole Ben Simmons thing, it would be that the team would come a little bit closer together. And that seems to be happening. They play great team defense. They pass the ball like crazy there's no big time isolations and just leaving them beat out top to go one-on-one on people which he does they'll kind of do sometimes but they're getting great clutch shooting from seth curry it's a wonderful thing man i really like what they're doing i still believe they need one more really good player to really make a dent in the playoffs but other than that i like what i see congratulations doc rivers good job wow and i i didn't watch as much of the game, but believe it or not, I, I watched one of those Sixer recap shows. Yeah, they're pretty <laughs> right? good. Yeah. And the thing that the guy said was that without Ben Simmons, everybody else is getting to touch the ball now. Exactly. 
and they're doing good things with it. So congratulations. You know, I'm still discovering my own Chicago Bulls. So, you know, you're the one told me that they were they were that good. You know, but I have to see what the real deal is when I'm in a little further in. We're so tied in the football right now, Benny. Yes, that sir, that's as as correct. Ball is football, and let me tell you something. I got a, I got a complaint. I'm gonna put the complaint out in this intro part real quick. Madden complaint. The now team what? is ridiculous, Ben. It, it, I'm playing the game. I'm, you know, I like to simulate the game that my team is going to play. So I'm going up against the Cardinals. I'm ready to go at it. Got my strategy right. I set up my play. I isolate. I isolate my receiver. I go to change the receiver's pattern. I go to look to see and make sure that what I changed is what it was. The game obscures the whole screen. It put a where the uh, the, the receiver was. It put a question mark. Normally they have like a designation of x squared they put a question mark there i'm like really the so, game is going to cheat me like like high-tech cheat obvious you so, know? so so what the game is trying to tell you it sounds like to me is if you're going to make a move and you're going to make a change you're going to call a particular player formation be confident get it done don't go back and double check yourself. Roll with what you got. That's what the game's telling. The game's oh, trying to help you improve. Listen to the game's you. trying to help you improve listen as a player, to, man. Yeah, and you're yeah, still trying to yeah. rely on backup plans. You can't do that. Either you're good or you're not. You gotta live and die with your calls, bro. You looking to see what the call? I'm gonna make sure you did what the call said. You mean make let's sure? Go, let me tell you what something. You mean make sure? Let, 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 let me tell you something. The the game. I'm losing the game, right? I go to kick, the whole screen changes. And told me that last week. What it was, the whole they're doing like this. You know, I'm like, do we have to go through all of that? Really, really. You told me that last week, bro. Listen, when the field goal kicker takes his step backs after the ball is set, and he takes that one last look at the uprights, and then he puts his head down and kicks the ball. When does he look up? After the ball is kicked. That's true. When the coach goes on the mic and tells the quarterback what play he wants to call, at a certain point in time, the mics turn off. He can't go back and say, now, did you get that? Remember, da 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 So actually, the game is simulating real life. You should be happy it's doing that. I am, and I don't even play Madden. You're that's the closest to real life you're going to get with that game. It's, it's driving me bad. That's the only reason you're happy. Well, you got to get better, bro. You got to work on your game. What you want me to tell you? Well, you get better with your game. One that came up with the term, you got to be good enough to beat the cheat. Well, you can call it what you want. I know the powers that this, I know. Look, there, there used to be a setting on the game where you could make the field be slippery like ice. It looked like grass, but it was slippery like ice. And that was just a setting. And we used to have great fun doing that. Now, the, that means that that's a level of control that the game has that can do. You don't have that level of control. And even if you set up somebody to change their route, that don't mean that you don't do a check, check, double check. You might look over at them, do that thing. Yeah, 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 I know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? That's so now I'm you know you can't check, do check, that anymore. Check, get ready to go at it. So now you know you can't do that anymore. So now you know that. So you got to be more decisive. You got to be better. 
<laughs> the key to it, whether you want to say better, you got to be able to beat the cheat or you get better is the key words is better and beat. You got to get better to beat the cheat. I want to, I want to, I don't mind the challenge of playing the game. You know, the fact of the matter is when I'm playing at this level, you know, I don't, we don't win many of the matchups anymore. You know what I mean? If it's 11 on 11, you might lose eight. You're still trying to make the play. But that's you you win nobody that's, by the game anymore. That's a cheap thing that, that's part of the game. I don't mind that because at least it's part of the game. It's like when all of a sudden you make the, the sky change or something like that to throw the whole thing off. I'm like, uh, that's like the fix is in type thing. Bro, you're killing me right now. I know. Crying and about it. That man bad a Madden game. So guess what? Last Thursday night there was a football game, a real live football game with real live people. Who played? And it happened in Arizona at the Cardinals Stadium, where the Packers came in to play the Cardinals, who were still at that point the only undefeated team. Yes, the Cards came in the week eight, the only undefeated team in the league. They suffered their first loss, and it was Kyler Murray's first game without a touchdown, neither in the air or on the ground. Mm, not good. Not only that, but he threw two interceptions. Now, I mentioned last week that he took some heavy hits from the Texans defense. It looked to me like he still wasn't 100%. The Packers' D, for the most part, kept him under control. He was 22 or 33 for 274 yards, and he was sacked twice. And none of his wide receivers stood out in a positive way, unless you want to count DeAndre Hopkins, who struggled in and out of the lineup with a hamstring, and only caught two passes, but one of them was a 55-yarder, and the other one would have been a 61-yard touchdown, but somehow in the tussle for the ball, he got some kind of a face mask penalty at the goal line, so it didn't count as a touchdown, but it was a big play. Uh, all three Cardinals touchdowns came on the ground, one from Chase Edmonds and two by James Conner, and again, James Conner, all he does is score touchdowns. The Packers now had their issues coming into the game also. Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard were both on the COVID list, and Valdez Scantling has a hamstring injury. Aaron Rodgers worked with what he had. He managed to find his old buddy, Randall Cobb, in the end zone, which he predicted twice. Uh, most of the dirty work was done on the ground with a strong effort from Aaron Jones, who rushed 15 times for 110 yards and caught seven balls for an additional 51. A.J. Dillon also helped out keep Jones fresh. He carried the ball 16 times for 78 yards. Next up, the Atlanta Falcons hosted the Carolina Panthers in a division matchup. Now, I thought for sure the Panthers would get handled in this game the way they've been playing lately, but uh, their up and down defense got up for this one. Uh, they intercepted Matt Ryan twice. Uh, one interception was by Shaq Thompson and one by newly acquired Stefan Gilmore. We forgot about that. He was released by the Patriots, came into uh, Carolina, but did not play right away. So people kind of forgot about him. Well, they activated him and he got a big pick. Uh, the D also sacked Ryan three times. They recorded five tackles for loss and had three stops on third down. So big time game for the Carolina defense. I did expect the defense to have somewhat of a bounce back. The defense has not been terrible. But I also expected Sam Darnold to struggle, and he did, especially in his passing. He was 13-24 for 129 yards. He had no touchdowns. 
and he was pretty pathetic uh, all the way around as far as his passing game was concerned. Now on the ground, he was tough. He ran for 66 yards on eight carries uh, until he got concussed in the fourth quarter. It's not funny. I should not be smiling. He got concussed. He, he took a terrible hit. He was out of the game. His effort, uh, along with Chuba Hubbard's 24 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown, and we don't talk about kickers a lot, but I'm trying to, you know, give kickers their props. Kicker Zane Gonzalez made four field goals. One was a 51-yarder and one was a 57-yarder. That was enough to get the job done. Matt Ryan, meanwhile, had his worst game of the season, and I mean his worst game of the season. 20-27 doesn't sound bad, but it was only for a measly 146 yards. He only threw one touchdown. Along with that, he threw two interceptions and in a scrum got his hand stepped on and was bleeding all over the field. They fixed that up, and he had to wear a glove for the rest of the game. He'll probably be wearing a glove, so we'll be calling him Matty One Glove. <laughs> Instead of Teddy Two Gloves, now we got Matty One Glove. The Miami Dolphins, another division rivalry, had to go up to Buffalo and play the red hot Buffalo Bills. Now, quarterback Tua Tagovailoa got a vote of confidence from his head coach Brian Flores before the game, got another one on Monday after the game, and the supposed, supposed deal for Deshaun Watson actually never went through. There were some details that weren't able to get hammered out at the last minute. Trade deadline passed. That deal was not done. Unfortunately, uh, Tua and his teammates had no chance against a strong Buffalo defense. Uh, Buffalo defense had two sacks, one interception, one fumble recovery, four tackles for loss, and three stops on third down. That's fairly dominant. Josh Allen and the Bills got off to a slow start themselves, but in the second half, they went more to a uh, quick passing, underneath passing game. Uh, he was able to find Cole Beasley, who's a savant coming out of the slot and working the underneath routes. He hit Cole Beasley 10 times for 113 yards, and he hit his back, running back Zach Moss six times for 39 yards. He completed 29 of 42 altogether for 249 yards and touchdown passes to Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis. Uh, unfortunately, a bad Madden note, I've been starting Emmanuel Sanders on a lot of my fantasy teams for a good while now. Somehow, someway, Emmanuel Sanders did not get a touch in this game. I'm not even sure if he was targeted. That almost sank me in a couple of fantasy games, but luckily my teams were all pretty good and I won just about all of them. Uh, on top of that, uh, Josh Allen, yes, on top of that, Josh Allen rushed eight times, eight times for 55 yards. Great dual threat. How great a dual threat is he? He broke Cam Newton's NFL record of 28 rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in his first 50 NFL starts. Kudos to Josh Allen. Next up, your San Francisco 49ers rolled into Chicago to play the Bears. Obviously, the Bears have issues. San Francisco is not looking great but they're better than the Bears. Jimmy Garoppolo bounced back from a poor performance in his loss to Indy last week. He led a balanced attack. He threw for 322 yards. And even though he only can, completed 17 passes, he pushed the ball downfield. Uh, he did not throw for a touchdown, but he scored twice on the ground. So that's a good thing. And he got strong production from running back Elijah Mitchell, who we both praised last week. Uh, Elijah Mitchell carried the ball 18 times 
for a nice 137 yards. He also scored a touchdown. Red, hot, Debo Samuel, undoubtedly the best player on your team, uh, is having a spectacular year. He caught six passes for 171 yards with one catch and run that went for 83 yards. Kicker, Joey Sly connected on four of five field goal attempts. His longest was 52 yards. So, uh, you know, when you when you hear um, Jimmy G throws for 322, but he only completed 17 passes, that equals a lot of yak. Debo Samuel's middle name is Yak, okay? So good thing for the 49ers. Now, real quick on the Bears. I've been talking about uh, head coach Matt Nagy and his questionable play calling and his use of rookie quarterback Justin Fields. In a game that the Bears won earlier this season, Fields praised the way offensive coordinator Bill Lazor called plays in that particular game. And against the Niners, even though it was a loss, with Nagy not there at the game because of COVID protocols, Fields had arguably his best game of the season. The Bears tried to run the ball, obviously, to keep pressure off of Fields. They used Khalil Herbert. He rushed 23 times for 72 yards. And although Fields didn't put up great numbers through the air, he did throw a touchdown pass. And the coaching staff, since Nagy wasn't there, turned him loose on the ground. Guess what he got? 10 rushes for 103 yards. Okay. Evidently, everybody in the organization knows how to use Justin Fields, except for the head coach. Baffling. Wow. Pittsburgh Steelers, big time division rivalry with the Cleveland Browns. They had to go up to Cleveland to play. And let me tell you something. Baker Mayfield is a mess. This game wasn't real pretty, but, you know, I'll let you know what happened here. But Baker Mayfield is really having problems. He has only six passing touchdowns so far this season. And he threw 225 scoreless yards against the Steelers. 225 ain't great. No touchdowns, even worse. Consequently, uh, the Bears, who looked like surefire contenders at the beginning of the year, are now struggling to keep things together. Without their vaunted run-blocking offensive line and their stable of running backs, seems like uh, un, un, there's no bottom to, to this running back thing they got going. Uh, but without it, uh, they wouldn't have much to bring to the table each week as far as offense is concerned. So they're lucky that Nick Chubb came back from injury. They're still waiting for Kareem Hunt to come back. But uh, Dearnest uh, Henderson, Dearnest, I forgot his last name, Johnson, Dearnest Johnson has been filling in admirably. Um, let's see, what did Chubb have? Chubb had 16 carries for 61 yards, and actually he would have had an even better day but a couple of really good runs got called back on some questionable holding calls. I didn't watch that game completely, but I did see some plays where flags came out. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on because I saw no holding. But, you know, referees, what are you going to do? Meanwhile, the formula for the Steelers is check downs, quick releases, solid run game, and a formidable defense. We talk about that all the time. Every team needs to have that. But living off of checkdowns and quick releases, short passes, short to intermediate passes, living all that off of that might not be a total formula for success. I mean, it's working for the Steelers right now, but they kind of have to be that way. Um, Big Ben completed 22 of 34 for 266 yards and one touchdown. Now, let's face it, 
His pass protection isn't the best. His arm strength's falling off a lot. Uh, rookie running back Najee Harris has been carrying more than his share of the offense. And he had a big workload on Sunday um, again. He had 26 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson gets most of the short passes and helps keep the chains moving. And the defense, again, was solid. They had four sacks, one fumble recovery, two stops on fourth down, three stops on third down, and four tackles for loss. So big win for the Steelers in a tight, tight division race. Okay. Oh, here's a non-divisional game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Philadelphia Eagles got to travel to Detroit to play the hapless Lions. Oh, my goodness. thought this game would be a little bit better considering the Lions gave the Rams a little bit of trouble the week before. But the Eagles finally got a team they could completely dominate, and that hasn't happened since week one against Atlanta. At least three of their five losses, I would say, may have been wins or at least may have put them in position to win if they had just given the run game a chance. They did not do that. So what do they do against a basically defenseless team? They run the freaking ball, of course. Jalen Hurts only completed nine of 14 passes. This guy's been throwing 40 passes week after week after week. But in this game, he was nine of 14. He ran the ball seven times for a whopping 71 yards. Boston Scott carried the ball 12 times, 60 yards, two touchdowns. Jordan Howard off the practice squad carried the ball 12 times, 57 yards, two more touchdowns. Even Kenneth Gainwell got 13 carries. If I'm Miles Sanders, I'm working on a trade. Get me out of here, okay? Because I think his days as an eagle are done. But, you know, what can I say? Uh, we'll see if this trend, if this is a trend or not. But I know Eagle fans have been calling for an expanded ground game for some time now. So we'll see what happens next week. Next up, Tennessee Titans went to Indianapolis to play the Colts. Again, another division rivalry. This game was crazy. Tennessee ended up winning the game 34 to 31. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to talk about Carson Wentz real quick. We're going to call this the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay? Here's the good. Carson Wentz has thrown multiple touchdowns in each of his last five games. He threw three touchdowns in this game. He also, surprisingly to me, I did not know this, had only thrown one interception coming into this game. Good. Now the bad. Wentz was a horrible, horrible 27-51 for 231 yards. He threw a ton of wobbly ducks, and a bunch of them were underthrown. In fact, he underthrew the ball so much that he ended up, uh, that, that most of those underthrows ended up being defensive pass interference. He actually racked up 95 yards worth of defensive pass interference calls against the Titans over the course of the game. Oof. Now the ugly. I mentioned Wentz came into the game with only one interception on his, on his record this, for the whole season, but he threw two interceptions in this game. The first one came with a minute 26 left in regulation, probably the worst time you can throw one. The Colts are on their own eight-yard line, and the score's tied at 24. They're trying to start to mount a long drive to try to finish the game off. Wentz 
trying to avoid a sack, tossed an inexplicable left-handed pitch right into the hands of Titans quarterback, cornerback, Elijah Molden. He just waltzes into the end zone for a pick six. Now, with little more than a minute left to play, they attempt a game-winning drive. Wentz throws a couple of incompletions before hitting a long pass to wide receiver Michael Pittman. Then he looks bad again on a couple of plays. Then he draws another DPI against the Titans that gets him down to the one. And then Jonathan Taylor scores from the one-yard line. That's crazy. They didn't deserve to be able to complete that drive and get the game in overtime, but in fact, they did. But then, in the overtime, went through his second interception. The Titans were able to convert the turnover into a game-winning field goal. Boom, done deal. Now, here's the bad news for the Titans. Derrick Henry has an injured foot that will require surgery. I believe he got the surgery yesterday or he's getting it today. It will probably keep him out for six to 10 weeks. Some people are saying it doesn't make sense for him to even attempt to come back this season. He should just wait out till next year. Some people are saying if it's six to 10 weeks and the Titans make a playoff run, it is possible, possible, not probable, but it is possible that Derrick Henry would try to make a comeback and see how far he can help take them. Um, let me see. In the meantime, Ryan Tannehill is going to have to raise his game. Now, he did enough to get the win on Sunday. Uh, he did throw two really ugly interceptions, but for the most part, he was efficient. He was 23 of 33 for 265, and he did throw three touchdown passes. Oh, okay. This game was a shocker to me. I, I, I watched this game, and I couldn't believe what I was looking at. Cincinnati Bengals, the red-hot Cincinnati Bengals, go to the Meadowlands to play the New York Jets. The New York Jets win the game 34-31. Let me apologize for busting on Mike White. That's his name, right? I want to call him Clark Kent now. I don't – I think his name is Mike White. My goodness. Anyway, after a blowout of the Lions in week six – followed by a dominant win over the Ravens, the Bengals seemed to take the Jets lightly. In my eyes, that's the way I saw it. I think, I think they, and this happens, pro, college, high school, little league, team comes in, they don't quite focus on their opponent because the opponent hasn't looked good. And before you know it, you're in a game. Now, their, their, their defense was able to sack Mike White twice, and they picked him off twice, but they were only to get one stop on third down. So for some reason, the defense was off. I don't know. Joe Burrow did throw three touchdowns, and he had one disastrous interception in the fourth quarter, and I do mean disastrous. Now, Joe Mixon couldn't really get going on the ground. I don't know who woke up the Jets' defense, but they held Mixon in check, and the only real big plays the entire day for the Bengals was a 55-yard pass to T. Higgins and a 46-yarder to Mixon. Uh, Burroughs' interception came, <clears throat> excuse me, with 4.36 left in the game, and the Bengals were up. Uh, Shaq Lawson actually read a screen pass, broke on it, tipped the ball up in the air to himself, and, uh, boy, that one hurt. Right after that, Mike White comes in, 
throws a touchdown to tight end Tyler Croft, and that's all she wrote for the Cincinnati Bengals. Tough loss for them. I know it stung really bad, but we'll see if they can bounce back. Meanwhile, we'll have to also see if the Jets can turn that into something more positive. But Mike White got the job done. LA Rams, super hot rim. Okay, here you go. Here's a game with arguably the best team in the NFL at this moment. And I say arguably because we haven't talked about the Dallas Cowboys yet. But the uh, LA Rams go down to Houston, Texas, play the Houston Texans. Arguably the worst team and not so arguably the worst defense in the NFL. So let's get this out of the way real quick. Davis Mills threw for 310 yards, but most of it was in the fourth quarter of the game after the team fell behind 38 to nothing. So if you were stuck because of bye weeks in fantasy and you're like, I'm just going to flip a coin and grab Davis Mills, guess what? It worked. But in real life, no, sir. Got nothing done. Matt Stafford wasn't even in the game in the fourth quarter. 38-0, he took a seat, no problem. Um, both of Davis Mills' touchdown passes were in the fourth quarter, uh, mostly against a soft prevent defense by the Rams. The Rams were super efficient, as usual, on offense. Stafford was a nice 21-32 for 305 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, one went to Cooper Cup, one went to Robert Woods, one went to running back Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson's having a nice year. And in this game, he rushed 90 yards and he scored a touchdown. So the Rams are firing on all cylinders and looking wonderful. Next up, New England Patriots go all the way up to the West Coast to play the L.A. Chargers. Ooh, man, I got to tell you, New England got the win, 27-24. It was a good game. Didn't go as expected in my mind, but I wasn't surprised by the end of the game. I have a bit of a new respect for the Patriots defense. I mean, I, I always admired Bill Belichick for being able to scheme up difficulties for opposing offenses. And he did a really nice job on the high scoring Chargers offense this time. Justin Herbert only completed 18 to 35 passes for 223 yards. He did throw two touchdowns, but he also threw two interceptions and both of them were picked off by adrian phillips who was a former charger i think they let him go about two seasons ago and he's been playing for the patriots he got two picks and one was a pick six for the patriots mac jones was inefficient completing only 18 of 35 passes for 218 yards he didn't throw any tds but he also didn't have any turnovers he game managed the offense into position for four Nick Folk field goals, and Damian Harris had a touchdown run. Great job by Mac and Cheese. Um, great managing job on offense. Uh, nice turn up on defense. Uh, boy, I'll tell you, the AFC East looks like Buffalo is going to win it. It looks like they're going to rule it. But New England ain't dead yet. Going to have to keep an eye on them. Next up, the Jacksonville Jaguars looking horrible. Got a chance to play somebody else that's looked horrible for the last two weeks, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I'll tell you this. We talk about West Coast teams coming to the East Coast. Nobody has a longer distance per air yards to travel 
than the Seattle Seahawks. Well, the same thing works going the other direction. It's probably even worse coming from the Southeast to the Northwest. Not that I need to help Jacksonville explain their loss. They're just not good. But anyway, uh, Geno Smith was bad in his previous two starts, but he put together a nice day against the defenseless Jaguar secondary. He completed an almost perfect 20 of 24 passes. Listen to this accuracy from my man Geno. 20 of 24 passes, only 195 yards, but two touchdowns. The Jaguar defensive front, however, did come to play, and they did really well in the, in the trenches. They sacked Geno three times. They pretty much shut down the run game. They had seven tackles for loss, so Seattle could barely run the, game, run the ball at all. They had five stops on third down, so they did the job up front, but the secondary was horrible. When Geno looked downfield, he found wide-open receivers all over the place, especially Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett was beating coverage time after time, caught 10 passes for 142 yards, and DK Metcalf caught two touchdown passes. Good job by DK there. Uh, his scoring is down a little bit, I think, from what we presumed it would be, but uh, he's starting to crank it up a little bit. It'll be uh, interesting to see if Russell Wilson gets back soon. I heard he got his pin, the pin taken out of his finger. Um, and the stitches are healed up, so he'll probably start rehabbing and maybe throwing the ball again very soon. Um, okay, this game was kind of hard to watch for some people. I heard people say this was a horrible game. I didn't think it was a horrible game, but that's because I like defense. But anyway, here we go. Washington was on a three-game losing streak. Denver had lost four in a row. A win for either team would be refreshing. A loss would be devastating. For most fans, this wasn't very pretty, but I love the defensive energy from both squads who uh, up to this game had been punched in the mouth several times. Uh, for Denver, Teddy Bridgewater has been very disappointing. The Broncos have a nice receiving core with Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Jerry Judy just got back from injury. Uh, Teddy was 19 to 26 for 213 yards and one touchdown pass. He did throw one pick with mostly short to intermediate shots and check downs to the backs. He tried to control his possessions, but the Washington D was pretty scrappy. And I've been talking bad about the Washington defense quite a bit, but they do make plays from time to time, just have no consistency. And in this game, they sacked Teddy four times and had six tackles for loss. That's big time. That's big time. Uh, Teddy was able to hit Sutton twice. He found Judy four times. And Tim Patrick led all Bronco receivers with only three catches and only 64 yards. Got to do better with really nice skill position players like that young wide receiver core is. He's just got to do better. And all of this, or this little bit, was done against the worst pass defense in the NFL. They actually had more success on the ground. Uh, Melvin Gordon rushed for 47 yards on 10 carries. He had a touchdown on the ground. And Javante Wilson uh, Williams chipped in, chipped in for nine carries for 35 yards, and he had 13 receiving yards. So the backs did a good job, but Teddy just couldn't find the receivers. Uh, tough day for him, uh, but they did pull out the win. Uh, oh, yeah, Gordon also caught three balls for 15 yards, and he scored a touchdown through the air also. Now, poor Taylor Heineke, poor Washington football team. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know. <laughs> Heineke was awful. 
He was awful. He tried to survive with short passes and check downs like Teddy did, but he only threw for one touchdown and he threw two interceptions. Even the kicking game couldn't be relied on by either one of these teams as the normal, re normally reliable Brandon McManus for Denver made one kick and missed one. And Washington kicker, and I, I know you watched the Washington game and saw, this guy's name is Chris Blewett. B-L-E-W-I-T-T. -T. How can you trust a kicker named Blewett? <laughs> he made one field goal and had two field goals blocked. In the final minutes, Denver gets their second field goal blocked. Oh, I'm sorry. They got their second field goal blocked on Blewett. They scored touchdown. Then Heineke throws a red zone interception trying to come back. Denver gets the ball back, hands it off to Melvin Gordon. He gets stripped, loses the ball back to Heineke and the Washington football team with a chance to get close enough to tie the game and take it to overtime. He throws the ball out of bounds. He takes a sack. And then he throws a Hail Mary that damn near went into the seats. Taylor Heineke, I don't know what to say, bro. Hey, hopefully Fitzmagic is getting better. I'm gonna have to check on him. He may be coming back. They definitely should try him because Heineke is not getting it done. And the fans are quite upset, by the way. I have some friends in DC. They're about to turn their Redskin Washington football team uh, cards in. You know, a lot of them still call him by the other name, um, but uh, they're fed up, man. They're fed up. I don't blame them. Next up, Tampa Bay Buccaneers riding high. Go down to New Orleans to play the Saints. And the Saints come away with the victory. Another bit of a surprise. I know the New Orleans Saints defense has been playing well, but I didn't think they'd beat Brady and the Bucs. I really didn't. They won the game 36 to 27. Now, just when it looked like Jameis Winston might solidify his place in New Orleans as their starting quarterback. He goes down with a serious knee injury, tore up his ACL and his MCL. He's done for the season. Before he went down, he passed for one touchdown. He ran four times uh, for 40 yards, but on a scramble, he got mangled, tore his knee up. Uh, enter Trevor Simeon. If you don't remember, Trevor Simeon, the last time I actually saw him in a play, at play in a game, was for the Denver Broncos some years ago. I want to say at least three seasons ago, but I remembered his name as soon as I saw him come in the game. So Trevor Simeon uh, actually came in and managed the game pretty well. He led the Saints on five drives that resulted in two touchdowns and three field goals. Alvin Kamara was leading the way on offense as usual, and the Saints D was able to victimize Tom Brady just enough to hold on for the win. Brady had a great fantasy day, even without Gronk and A.B. who are out with injuries. He targeted Chris Godwin 12 times, connected on eight of them for 140 yards and a score. Mike Evans scored also, but he only caught two balls on four targets for 48 yards. And the Saints D pressured Brady relentlessly, which everybody knows you have to be able to do if you're going to have any chance in beating him, regardless of what team he's on. Uh, they actually sacked him three times. They forced him to fumble, which they recovered. They snatched two interceptions, 
and he had six tackles for loss. The last interception was a pick six uh, with a minute 24 remaining in the game. That sealed the deal for the Saints. Good job, New Orleans. Now, what they're going to do uh, quarterback-wise, I don't know. I think Simeon may play, uh, may start the next game because um, he's out with a concussion. I don't know if he's going to be ready for this game. Uh, next up, Dallas Cowboys roll into Minnesota and win the game 20 to 16 coming off a bye. This was Sunday night football. So Kirk Cousins has thrown multiple TVs plenty of times this season. And with Dak Prescott being out of this game to rest his injured calf, this looked like a game he may have been able to outscore the Dallas offense because let's face it, he's thrown multiple TVs in several games. And the Dallas offense was working with backup Cooper Rush. But as we've seen so many times before, Cousins, Cousins produced a dud. He struggled against the speedy Dallas D. These guys, especially their D-backs, man, these guys are so fast. They fly all over the field. They're fast and strong up front. Dallas D looks way better than I expected them to and seem to be improving week after week. Um, Cousins just couldn't maintain drives. He was 23 of 35 for 184 yards, threw one touchdown, and he threw one interception. Um, Cooper Rush, on the other hand, this was his first career start. He struggled a bit in the first half before getting it together in the second half. He finished with 24 completions on 40 passes, which is way too many passes for him to have to throw. But hey, it was the Vikings defense, so what the heck. Uh, he threw for 325 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, some of his throws are a little off target, but C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper made him look good with some great catches. Uh, C.D. caught eight balls for 112 yards, and Amari Cooper grabbed eight for 122 yards and a touchdown. So kudos to the Cowboys. They keep it rolling. Now, last game, Monday Night Football, my New York Giants go to Arrowhead to play the Kansas City Chiefs. I called this one an upset. I wanted the upset. I believed that they could get the upset. They did not. They lost the game 20 to 17. They put up a great effort, but again, mistakes and missing playmakers because of injury, I think, had a lot to do with it, but mostly mistakes. Uh, the Chiefs got the win, but they're not out of the woods yet. I've been telling you about the Chiefs. In my eyes, Mahomes just doesn't look comfortable. On the first drive of the game, the Chiefs rolled down the field. But Mahomes fired a pass, a jump pass of all things, into traffic in the end zone, and that got picked off. I think it bounced off of somebody's helmet or something. I looked at that play a couple of times. There was a couple of DBs there, and there were three Chiefs receivers all in the same vicinity. So that play was doomed from the start. Um, Mahomes threw a total of 48 passes in the game, and he reads pass happy, man, still. Uh, but he only completed 29 of them for 275 yards, and he only threw for one touchdown. Uh, now, for the fourth time this season, he has failed to average more than six yards per attempt. That's average. He threw 14 touchdown passes between weeks one and four, but he's only thrown five touchdown passes along with six interceptions over the last four weeks. Some teams are getting better. The Chiefs are not one of them. Now, I call for the upset in this one, 
and my team had their opportunities. With so many injuries to the receiving core, the Giants have had to depend on Devontae Booker, who's sitting in for Saquon Barkley, but he's doing a fine job. He has not been disappointing at all. He ran the ball 15 times for 60 yards, and he caught five or six targets for another 65. The Giants' D has also been improving over the last few weeks. They did a fairly good job controlling the Chiefs' run game and challenged the struggling Mahomes to beat them through the air. And, you know, anytime the Chiefs have any resistance to their run game, they immediately start depending on Mahomes to beat teams through the air. Um, so the Giants just kind of goaded them into it. But it wasn't hard to press them because Andy Reid loves to throw the ball anyway. At the end of the day, the Giants' hopes were dashed by an interception that Jones threw in the first quarter after just getting the ball back after an interception by the Giants' defense. The pick that he threw led to the Chiefs' first score in the first half. Then Jones had two terrible series. One was at the end of the half where he got nothing when they should have gotten something. And then in the final seconds of the game, he took a bad sack through two interceptions and killed any chance of getting in the field goal range. Uh, what can I say? My poor New York Giants. But anyway, that's the week that was. That's week eight. Those are the results. What do you say, Bear? Number one, uh, we do the bias plus report, which is our way of looking at the matchups. So we really haven't been reporting on our results much from the previous week. And um, the previous week would have been, you know, finishing up week eight. So first off, how did you do um, for week eight? I was hoping you wouldn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I do good, I always make sure I tell everybody, right? <laughs> so I didn't say anything because this was horrible. This is one of my worst weeks in a few seasons. I won seven. I lost eight. It was really bad. And the crazy thing is going into the week, I didn't think I really had stuck my neck out that badly. Yeah, I called for the Giants to win a game. You know, I didn't think the Bengals were going to lose. Uh, I don't I, I don't know what happened, but yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Um, I, I don't even know what else to say, bro. It was bad. Um, Leave it like that. Well, you know, I mean, this is what we do. And, and I, you know, I think the f part of the fun is looking back at what we did. Um, that's why I was making some of these notes. Now, right, right quick, I'm looking here uh, to see. We had uh, the, the bias was nine of 15. So that's about 60%. So you were on the lower end of the 50. I was just on the top end. Some of this is. The thing about the the, uh, the rankings, the net point rankings and stuff, and as we always say, we don't put people in these positions. They put them, those teams put themselves by right. the scores and the things that they do. Okay, you scored your way into that ranking, and then um, you know. You, so, so when you look at some of these matchups, you're like, uh, um, this is this team is truly favored. Vegas would say they favored, and when they overcome. And you see them win, like the, the Jets win was, was was amazing. We're going to talk about that. I appreciate the fact that you did that apology. I don't know if you've seen our Facebook page, but we have, yes, have. an actual apology up there. So real quick, run through some of these points. Stefan Gilmore, no longer a, 
a patriot. Now with who the who was he with Carolina? Yes. What happened? They, I mean, Stefan still got juice, right? Uh, I yes, he does still have juice to answer your question. Um, to answer the other question as far as what happened, um, I kind of lost track of him because this went down a few weeks ago. I believe it had something to do probably with age, the combination of age and money, okay? I think he was due for a contract extension or was trying to get a contract extension or may have been up for a new contract. And I believe that they just did not want to pay him. So. All right. Um, fun fact, I'm watching the Eagles um, play on the East Coast, right? We're red zone, right? And you got the Rams playing on the West Coast. And at some particular point, simultaneously, the scores for both of those games was 38 to nothing. <laughs> simultaneously. Simultaneously at the same time. I'm looking, I'm going, is this a crazy, you know, twin universe thing going on here? The Eagles is a, first of all, 38 nothing is not your average score. You know, it's not like 12 to 16 or, you know what I mean? Where it's two touchdowns in the field, 17, 14, something like, you know, every team's going to score somewhere in that vicinity for the most part. But right. Nothing. Well, I mean, oh, by the way, it wasn't, well, I'm not going to do that to you. It wasn't East Coast, West Coast. One game was in Texas and the other one was in Detroit. But I understand what you're saying. Okay. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions. So, I mean. <laughs> I, I'm like, it's just some weird symmetry there. Okay. But also, you know, I, I got to kind of, you mentioned the run game for the Eagles. Boston Scott is, I'm, he's still there. <laughs> Our boy Corey's gone. We've seen running backs come and go. Boston Scott is still there. And Jordan Howard, this is, again, uh, they, they're almost having a little uh, a lightning thunder thing going on there because they're handing that ball off to Boston Scott. I don't care where they are on the field. <laughs> uh, you, you don't want me to comment on that, do you? <laughs> you don't have to. That's up to you. Okay. No, because I don't. Philadelphia fans are mad at me enough. <laughs> well, what, the, what the heck? What the heck? All right, real quick. Uh, you mentioned, and, and I want to thank you because you probably were the only ones who actually looked at my intriguing game of the week right up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I made a comment, right? Yes, you did. Well, you at least liked it. I don't know if you, you made a comment or not. Okay. I know you did. I know you saw it. You know what I mean? Um, but a surprise, again, you know what I mean? That's what kind of, you know, you look at these games, you go, okay, these are all the, the tension factors that are going to come, you know, and clash together there. And, um, you know, that, that, that efficiency of the, um, of the Patriots, uh, again, even, even in the virtual world, hard to beat. I mean, completing passes, you know, this guy completes passes, man. So um, I'm keeping an eye on them. And, when we do the rankings, uh, I think uh, this will confirm your thoughts about the Patriots' defense. Mm -hmm. Talking about Wentz, 
watching um <laughs> watching the media <coughs> trying to think of the guy he he's on tv i think he played with the Colts. he's like a lineman or something like that and he's on there and he's they're talking about wentz and he said he's in a pregame show no this is one of the review shows after the you know looking back at the weekend type things probably jeff saturday Jeff Saturday, yes, it was. Thank you. See, I knew you'd know. I knew you'd know. Jeff Saturday said, he said, if I was his team, if, if that had been me, if I had his teammate, when Wentz threw that ball from the end zone, he said, I would have had to tell him, you ever do that again, I'm throwing hands. <laughs> it was horrendous. He said, I'm throwing hands. Right. I have you, a new theory. You're getting ready to happen, and I'm going, no, don't do that. I have a theory. You know, there's all of this DNA, see who you're related to and everything. I want to do a DNA thing because I think a lot of these teams, Wentz in particular, I'm going to mention, has the Trubisky gene. I think they <laughs> genetically connected to Trubisky. <laughs> oh, don't laugh. Because I'm starting to wonder about Daniel Jones. Okay. Oh, Daniel Jones is getting better. <laughs> oh, he's getting better. <laughs> getting better. Okay. All right. Look at his turnovers from the last two years and look at his turnovers this year. He's way better. All right. But Trubisky is not bad except when you need him to be really good and he has brain farts. It's the brain farts per game and at crucial times that is going to mark the Trubisky gene amongst different quarterbacks. So well, there's, there's, there's brain farts and then there's risky, um, uncomprehensible, uncomprehensibly bad decisions, which may or may not be brain farts. <laughs> so if it's a, if it's a gene, okay. That's one thing. If it's a disease, Patrick Mahomes caught it. it could, well, okay, we'll have to we'll put that out in the universe and see how that comes back. The Dolphins made a kick decision in the game. Rather than kick the ball, tie the game up, they decide to go for two. The 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 Funny thing was the announce the red zone announcer literally said this is an analytics decision. <laughs> and I thought about it. Okay, there you go. <laughs> it was like it didn't make sense. You kick the ball, you play, you tie the game up, you know, you eliminate the, the, the potential to lose <laughs> or at least be behind. Play football, Jamie Christmas. It's it's absolutely amazing. But that's what they did. Now we we like the coach down there. We've given him lots and lots of praise. Do you think he's getting bullied by the ana analytic people on the uh, on the Dolphins? I mean, what sometimes when you look at analytics, it'll tell you what to do based on certain factors. But I think that one told them what to do based on certain factors and oh yeah by the way you're playing the buffalo bills <laughs> so i you know it's it's one of those 
what do you got to lose things? Hey, they weren't going to win that game. <laughs> okay. Well, if that's your that's your logic there. All right. I'm not going to go too much. No, it's not my logic. <laughs> it's, it's their logic. You're saying that's that's what their logic added up to, right? Yeah, they and did I, it. I ain't do it. Might as well do something risky and and un unfootball <laughs> fundamental like. What's the risk? If What's you don't get it, if you don't get risk? it, you miss out on. If you don't get it, you miss out on getting one more point. If you do get it, one point means tie the game. You're no longer losing. Get, okay, not that game. And if you get two points, you can win a game by one. But not that game. So what the heck? What the uh, heck? Guess what? Russell's back, or is he? Russell, who? See him take. They, they, he showed some kind of pin that they took out, and he's, he's not back yet. You think he's going to play in an upcoming game week? That's a good possibility. That's that's what I'm wondering. They they're ready to sit Geno down. Russell no. come. They're ready to start Russell, <laughs> not ready to set Gino down. When Russell's ready, he'll go. If he's not, Gino goes. He's got to rehab that thing first. He's got to be able to make a fist. He's got to be able to grip, grip a ball. He's got to be able to throw accurate passes. And done any of that yet. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I saw he took – he said he had the pin out like he was ready to rock and roll. So he's been out there faking like he's throwing the ball. But we'll have to see how that all goes. Does Teddy – Teddy Bridgewater, does his arm look a little soft to you? Uh, well, I'll tell you, Teddy never was one to be touted as having great arm strength. Um, his whole thing was accuracy, footwork, accuracy, being efficient in the pocket. Um, never a great runner or anything like that. So, and, and all you have to do is go back to his short time uh, with New Orleans and he, he won five games when Breeze was out. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how he operates. Unfortunately, the Denver offense needs a little bit more than that. They need somebody who, who can, can buy time with their feet um, so that they can let those young receivers really, really work. Because any one of them can take a pass to the house and any one of them can beat somebody over the top. So we have receivers like that. You got to maximize yourself at the quarterback position, and they're just not doing it. He's he's a game manager. He's on the wrong team. He's in the wrong offense. That's that's what I think. I think he looks like a backup. <laughs> that's yeah. Well, yeah. I would like to bring him in as a backup, but um, I'm not seeing him as a, as a strong starter anymore. There's a few of these guys that are playing now. They're starting to look like backups. Um, you know, I think that Gronk is Brady's security blanket. I've even heard some people say that. What do you think? Do you think Gronk's health is going to have him back by the playoffs? Yes, by the playoffs, yes. Think so? Yes. As long as he's back by the playoffs, then Brady will be okay. Um, I wanted to do a shout-out to uh, your, your, well, your Penn State alumnus, Parsons, for the Cowboys. Oh, Micah, okay. The man was everywhere. Yeah. He People was. were talking bad about him early in the season, too. Who Be was? People on television. Oh, really? <laughs> I heard a few commentators say he's just out there running around and doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, Ryan Clark 
either on Good Morning Football or uh, Get Up or one of those shows made an interesting point. I think, I'm not 100%, but I think Parsons had the green dot. And when you say had the green dot, the person who gets the calls, the quarterback on offense always has the green dot. He's the guy with the mic, with the earpiece in his, in his helmet that gets the calls from the offensive coordinator. I think Parsons had the green dot on defense previously. They have moved the green dot to a safety. So one of their safeties, now I think the strong safety now, forget his name, he now has the green dot. He gets the calls. He makes the adjustments. That takes pressure off the rookie and allows him to be able to concentrate on what he has to do. It's working. He's playing better. And he's a dynamic, dynamic player. Extremely fast, extremely good tackler, and he can cover. He was on, he was on the show talking about he thinks – he could play at an NFL level at D-back or receiver. That's how much he believes in his ability. Well, from what I understand, early on, they had him um, as a D-end. So he was basically – Yes, because of an injury. Okay. Because of an injury. So now he's playing a little bit more linebacker. Yes. And he ran, what, a 4-3 or something like that in the combine? Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's nobody on the field he can't run with. Right. For the most part. So I agree with him. You know what I mean? And if he's got hands, you know, he could do anything he wants to do in the football field. I just I just thought he played great. I was seeing him everywhere and he was flashing. And I'm like, yeah, I know Ben's all proud of his Penn State boy out there because he's getting it done. You know, he's getting yeah. it done. All right. Remember last point. Did our draft show. I, I, first thing I said was I hope like hell the Giants get him. I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've had this conversation about um, coaching and who's getting head coaching jobs and why they do and why they don't. The yeah. offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, Mr. B. Enemy. So right now, you, even you said the Andy Reid offense. And I think when we talked about why he's not getting head coaching jobs, I have wondered before, was it the shadow of Andy Reid? Like he doesn't, it's like he doesn't get credit when they do great, but he's also not necessarily seem to be getting blamed when they're not doing great. And I'm like, okay, you know, Eric Vian, I'm looking at the person running that offense as Eric Bianami. What 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 do you say? I mean, and and is this gonna hurt his potential uh head coach opportunity? I don't think it's good. No, I don't think so. This is this is an indictment on Patrick Mahomes, if you ask me. If there's anything wrong with the way that they're running their offenses, they're throwing the ball too damn much. But because they had so much success in the previous two seasons throwing the ball that damn much, they think they can snap it back and just get it back. Problem is, you need some semblance of ball control now because your defense is weak and can't stop anybody. So you can't just go touchdown for touchdown. You have to get some kind of ball control worked in there. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to throw the ball to Kelsey Moore, okay, instead of trying to live off a, a Tyreek Hill and trying to work these mediocre Nicole Hardman and, and, and Pringle and those guys who can only get open twice a game and start running the ball. And if they don't do that, they're going to continue to struggle. 
All right, there you go. That's an indictment on Andy's decision making. And it's hard to tell which one of them is actually calling the plays. I know they work on the offense together, but it's hard to tell because they both put the thing up in front of their face and they both talk into the mic. So I don't know who's calling the plays. I think it's Andy, though. You think it's Andy? Well, everybody said when he, you know, the propensity to pass is an Andy Reid trait. Yes. So he automatically kind of gets targeted with that statement. Um, but, you know, okay, there you go. The Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings for NFL Week 8, 2021. All right. Again, I love the symmetry. We're going to talk about uh, these teams in, in, a little bit uh, in the next slide. We have the actual charts, so you can see there. Um, you see my Niners coming in at 20, looking like they're still on the positive side, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see. It, it's one of those things that, that, you know, it's not always a 16-16 split. Somehow, I think it's because of the buys. You know, you, you have maybe seven oh, yeah. teams or whatever that are actually in the positive. Congratulations to Buffalo for that number one spot, Arizona for the number two spot, and the LA Rams for the number three spot. Let's go to turnover differential. Ah, yeah. The number one spot, your buddies, the Buffalo Bills at plus 1.9. Again, turnover differential, the difference between giveaways and takeaways. For all 32 teams, this is one of the stats that can be both positive and negative, and it is the plus and the bias plus when we look at the matchups. So there you got it in front of you, Ben. I'm just going to talk about the top five, Buffalo, Indianapolis, New Orleans, Green Bay, and the L.A. Rams round out the top five and turnover differential. Bottom five is Jacksonville Jets, Kansas City. There you go, San Francisco and Atlanta. <laughs> so before we even look at the other categories, points for and points against, we can pretty much see why Kansas City is having so much trouble. If you turn the ball over more than you take it away, you're going to be hard-pressed to win games. And they are hard-pressed to win games right now, really struggling in some games even though they've won them because they can't hold on to the ball, especially Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm going to keep talking about it because people have been beating me over the head with him since he won a Super Bowl and then made it back to another one. But in that second one, when he lost, I saw something, and it's beginning to fester. They are in 30th place in turnover differential. By the same token, Indianapolis Colts sitting at number two. I would have been scratching my head after watching Wentz play this past week until I found out that up to that point, he had only thrown one interception. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. right? And the Colts defense. Him. You know, like, you know, it looked like the, the change was doing him good and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, know. I think it is. I think he's still, but he's still Carson Wentz. Like, he still plays hero ball sometimes. And that's what gets him in trouble. It got him in trouble in Philly. And it'll get him in trouble here too. They just have to don't do take the sack. Sometimes you gotta take the sack. He pitches that ball, God picks it and runs it in for six, right? If he takes the sack, 
It's a safety. That's two. I'm just but saying. I don't. I don't remember the down and distance and everything. But you know, you got to have a pretty crisp passing game if you're doing it out of your own end zone like that. And crispness is not necessarily a word that I put with Carson Wentz passing game. I believe they were attempting to set up a screen pass to the tight end and the defense read it and kind of blew it up, which made him pull it back down and then go, oh, I don't get these get sacked. Oops, sorry, left hand. <laughs> well, I'll be quite honest with you. That's a brain fart. That's I, a true risky. I don't know if, if, if as a coach, an offensive coach, I would be calling screen passes in my own end zone either. Me either. I agree with you 100%. I agree 100%. You know, don't make it hard on Carson. He has the Trubisky gene. Still in pro football, net point power rankings. Let's talk about points against this and finishing up in week eight. Ben, do you recognize the number one team there? This is another category that they're carrying that number one spot, Buffalo Bills. Only giving up 15.6 points per game. That's actually excellent. It's absolutely half of uh, what Detroit's giving up at number 32 at 30. And let's add Houston in there. But long story short, yeah, yeah, less than 16 points a game. Denver's number two at 17, pretty much tied with uh, Arizona at 17, uh, point one and point two, respectively. Um, New Orleans, 18.3. New Orleans, okay? New Orleans. It's like, I'm, I just, their ascendancy here is, is crazy. And then Carolina, um, 19, under 20 points a game. So, you know. You. <laughs> huh? That's a little skew. Skew. Carolina's, Carolina's living off them three easy wins they had at the beginning of the season. Oh, That's up there. The skew is in, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not respecting Carolina right now. That, well, let me put it this way: the only part of Carolina's team I actually do respect right now is the defense. They're not terrible, but they're not nearly as good as they seem to be at the beginning of the season. <coughs> New Orleans, on the other they're worse, hand, they're worse. You're saying they're worse than their numbers show, eh? Because <laughs> of the I skew. Guess, I, yes. Well, they're, they're more, they're, they're unreliable. They're unreliable. When they play the better teams, and I don't necessarily mean the top teams, when they play the better teams, they're going to struggle, number one, because they're not quite as good as these numbers show, and number two, because their offense is struggling. So, you know, Carolina, you'll see them drop. The Saints are vicious against the run, vicious against the run. you got to throw the ball if you want to have any chance against New Orleans. Everybody should know that now. I don't know if they're going to be able to hold on to that 18.3. Arizona's been nice. Somehow, some way, Denver, just every game is like a low-scoring game. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to make of the Denver thing being in second place. That's kind of crazy. I have to do more research on that one. Um, I believe Cincinnati will rise. I believe Pittsburgh will rise. I believe the New England Patriots will definitely rise. Well, you just went into the bank of the 20 points against crew there that's a neighborhood yeah that's that's and my edge right Pittsburgh, there new england and green bay all giving up basically 20 points a game yeah that's that's my edge right i, I stopped there 
The yeah. L.A. Rams are down at number 10. I was a little surprised that they were that low. I mean, they're in the top 10, but still in all. Well, actually, they're 11. I, I don't know. This number thing keeps messing up, and I have to find out why. But it'll repeat a number. Like, it says three twice there. So, oh, right. So that actually means they're 11th. Well, but, no, actually, they're still in the same same place, but uh, be, but the numbers just look kind of funky. Uh, there's a four missing. Everything else. Oh, is, right, right. New Orleans should be four. Okay, I get it. But they round out the top ten. But uh, you know, you you figure, okay, you're telling me that uh, New England's defense, the Green Bay's defense, is better than the Rams. Um, you know, I'm just a little surprised. A little surprised. And yeah, then on paper, no. On paper, no. In reality, yes. Sometimes, you know, tell you the truth. Sometimes the Rams score too darn fast. That could be too. That, yeah. that we know that that's that could be a problem. One of those yin yang things, isn't it? Yes. And what happens is they 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 score fast, which gives the other teams maybe another uh, extra possession or two during the course of the whole game that they normally wouldn't get. Also, they ring up big numbers. Matt sits down and then they play prevent defense, which only all prevent defense does is prevent you from stopping the other team. And then they rack up garbage time numbers on. So those are garbage time numbers. I'm not going to worry about that. It's um, Dallas at 16. Again, you know, much improved from last year where they were basically pretty much last. Mm -hmm. So much improved. Yep. Um, then you have the bottom half, uh, starting with Baltimore with the Ravens, you know, giving up 23.4 uh, points a game, Vegas, 23.7, um, you know, and then down from there to Detroit at 30.5. Again, I remind people, you can come to uh, the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings Facebook page. All these charts will be there and you can take a closer look and see where your team comes in. All right. Points four. All right. Oh, look, look who's number one. Oh, wow. Again. 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 So you know if they're number one in points four and points against, you know where they're going to be in the next, in the next shot for net points. It just adds up. That's just basic math. Um, I will have to give it again to the Buffalo Bills. Tampa Bay, number two. Dallas Cowboys, number three. And that's even after having Cooper Rush start for them in their last game. So that those numbers include some Cooper Rush production. Arizona at, at four. Now uh, we're talking Arizona uh, at 30.8 points per game. Just a tad. But look at that. And, and let me tell you something. This looks like the NFC West right here in terms of real playoff potential. I, I, you know, I love my Niners. I just don't know if we have the matchups and personnel-wise, you know, when we come up against a Cooper Cup, you know, do we have really anybody on defense that's going to really be able to match up with that guy? Long right. story short, um, the Rams – uh, Tennessee coming in at 28.4, Cincinnati 27.6, Baltimore. And there's your Kansas City Chiefs. They're still scoring in the top 10 at 26 points per game. And I'll just 
say it's very interesting. We talked about the New England defense. Did we really talk about the New England defense, man? I'm just take a step yeah, back. A little bit. Yes. Was where were they at? Eight. Okay. All right. We say that top eight is where we're looking for those playoff contenders from. And here they are, um, just below the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of scoring at 25.8 points per game. Not bad for a game manager quarterback. Hey, look, let me tell you something. I, I think he went – some people's, people are still talking about my, the Niners should have taken Mac Jones. Oh, jeez. It's amazing that they're saying that because he's having success, but he's having success in New England, <laughs> not in San Francisco. It's different, you know. You got to give that, yeah. that coach their due. You got anything for the scorers here? Gee whiz. Uh, Buffalo, not surprised. Tampa, not surprised. Dallas, not surprised. Arizona fell on a little bit of some rockiness there. Kyler Murray's taking some pretty bad hits. Um, I think they got a bye week coming up. They're going to have to get him healthy for the stretch run. Uh, Rams are cruising along very nicely. Tennessee without Derrick Henry is going to be extremely interesting to watch. Tannehill's going to have to really turn it up. Julio's got to get his lazy behind off the bench and get healthy because A.J. Brown can't do it by himself, and they don't really have a dynamic player uh, at tight end. Um, it's going to be a very interesting to see who turns out to be the uh, number one running back there. Uh, it could be Jeremy McNichols, who's the backup, who's really more of a pass-catching back. And there's a possibility that it could be A.D. Adrian Peterson is coming back. Um, he's on the Titans practice squad right now, getting himself together, learning the plays and all that. And we'll see how long it takes before they make him active. Um, you know, since we normally talk about the top eight, as far as uh, being contenders are concerned, I believe Cincinnati will stay up in there. I believe Baltimore coming off of their bye week is ready to make another run. So we'll see. That's all right. Kind of crazy. Cause you got, Ooh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, top eights, four AFC and four NFC. Okay, all right, interesting. Interesting split, even right down the middle, eh? Yep. So here's, uh, here's the uh, other half of the bias plus. We utilize the net points and the turnover differential as the two main factors when we're doing our matchup analysis. And as predicted, look who's number one, the Buffalo Bills. Again, if you're number one in points against and in points for, then there's the math way. It's going to come up net points as number one. Arizona's number two. Uh, Buffalo at net point 17.1. Again, this is one of those stats where you can be both positive and negative. On the polar opposite end, you have your Houston Texans at minus 15.2 points per game. So that's saying, on average, they're losing by a little over two touchdowns on, on a per-game basis. Um, so staying on the left, where we're pretty much all positive. Actually, as I said to you, Ben, it's positive down to what? Number 19? Cleveland's just holding up the positive side at plus 0.4. Mm. That's not a great win average. Carolina, Carolina and Minnesota 
We're going to talk a little bit, bit about our boy Kirk Cousins, Ben. We put up an article on the Ben and Barry on Facebook page on <laughs> Ben and Barry on football. Philadelphia, number 16, holding up the, the, the top half there. So you have Buffalo, Arizona, the Rams, Tampa Bay, and Dallas as your top five, ranging from net points 17 down to net points plus nine. And Rams, Tampa Bay, and Dallas are all in that nine range. So there you got your net point power group. Right off the bat, top five teams, top five quarterbacks. Okay. All right. The, these top five teams have the, the five best quarterbacks playing right now. People can go, oh, God, how can you say Dak is better than Lamar? How, how can you say? No, nah, I don't want to hear it. Playing right now results in from week one to this point that we're talking right here, right now. Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, and Dak Prescott are the five top quarterbacks in the league right now and they're putting up the numbers to prove it well again we look at the top eight so we'll we'll expand it down you have the Bengals. their quarterback is pretty good uh new orleans big quarterback question now we'll talk about that in the bias plus report and rounding out the top eight those new england patriots uh, I'm just intrigued by New England, Ben. Uh, <laughs> even when you talked about Nikhil Harry, now all of a sudden he wants to stay, right? This is a great place to be. <laughs> yeah. Whoopie-doo, Nikhil Harry. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We're also going to talk a little later in the comments section um, about the L.A. Raiders and the second blow that they took to their psyche uh, with uh, the Ruggs situation which is just devastating. It's, I'm devastated for the, for the person who died in the, in the wreck, but I'm also devastated that Henry Ruggs did that to himself and it's his career. You know what I mean? So we'll talk about that in the comments section. But wrapping up, net points, anything further? Uh, no, everything looks pretty good right now as far as... Uh... I think all the offensive skews have been eliminated and people are falling or teams are falling into place pretty much where they belong. Again, I don't know, Ben. I think I think Philadelphia's got some skew going on right about now. Why? Over the the Detroit game? Hey, what did they put 41 points up on Detroit? Yeah. I can see them putting up 41 on somebody. They didn't even do, they did 38. I think they stuck to the 38 thing, but that's, that's that was a big, big win in Philadelphia. Let me, let me see. And it remains to be seen if that becomes a skew. Cause we usually talk about the skew when we say somebody is someplace where they don't necessarily belong. So we'll see how long that holds up and keeps them where they are. But that's that's one blowout game. They had one other blowout game in week one. And every other game, they've been getting their behinds kicked or or losing on, on something goofy. So they they went, Ben, in week seven from a net point minus 3.7 and a 23 ranking 
to plus 1.5 and ranked on 16 okay. in one week. <laughs> okay. So we'll, we'll see how long that holds. Well, yeah, that's why it's a skew because I don't expect it to hold. We shall see. All right. That wraps up the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings portion of the show. Next up, the Bias Plus reports. Yep. Okay, Benny, let's get ready to do the matchups. The matchups for NFL Week 9. This is the Pro Football Bias Plus reports where we utilize the net points and the turnover differentials in our matchup combinations. The first game on the schedule, this would be tonight, right? Today is Thursday? Yes, it is. New York Jets at Indianapolis Colts. Bias Plus score 17.6 favors the Indianapolis Colts. Who you got? Well, uh, the big question was, after the Jets won, could they do it again? Um, personally, I don't think so. And I've already apologized to Mike White, so I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth and, um, you know, diss him again. But uh, the Colts lost in overtime to Tennessee last week. And it wasn't pretty at all. So, ooh, man, this is actually a tougher game to call than first it seemed. And let me mention real quick, Benny, one thing that the Jets have is a pretty decent rush. They have a decent pass rush. They have an excellent um, running back. The Jets haven't shown anything spectacular on defense as far as being able to really, um, you know, put up a fight. I, I don't, again, I don't know what happened to Cincinnati, except that I think that they just, they really just took them lightly. I think they really did. I, I, can't, I can't explain it any other way. So I'm going to go with the Colts on this. Uh, I'll stick with the bias, go with the Colts. I think Wentz will find a way um, along with a good running attack uh, to take care of business. Ben's going with the bias and the Colts. Next up, Cleveland Browns at Cincinnati Bengals. The battle for Ohio is on. Bias plus score 7.1 favors the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> with all the drama. With the, the Odell Beckham drama in Cleveland, can they focus, Benny? Can they focus and deal with this Cincinnati Bengals squad? Who I, gave I up the, so. You just said gave up a, you know, a, a kind of a weird game against the, the, the Jets. Yeah, this is a big-time bounce back for the Bengals. They won't get caught with their draws down again like that. They're going to they're gonna, and, – and who better to have a bounce-back game against but a division rival? Uh, that that most people thought would be ahead of you in the standings by this point. Um, I think that the Bengals are going to smack the Browns around. You're right. The Browns have a lot of stuff going on. The Bengals will have to concentrate on the Browns running attack. But when it comes to Baker Mayfield and that receiving core, 
they shouldn't have but a, they shouldn't have any trouble at all. Um, I think the Bengals are just better, and um, they'll they'll have to be careful. The Browns' defense they're not slouches, especially up front. But if they can keep Burrow clean and he can find Jamar and T Higgins and Boyd, he's got plenty of weapons, and they can get Mixon untracked a little bit. Even if they have, see, here's a great thing about Mixon. If he doesn't get it going on the ground, guy's got hands and he's got speed. He can get out and become an extra receiver for you. So the Bengals have a lot more going for them than the Browns, not even to mention the controversy and who knows where Baker's head is at. So, yeah, take the Bengals and go with the bias. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Bengals and Cleveland both uh, in terms of points against 23, basically. Okay. 22.9. So they're right there, 13 and 14, right there with each other. Where the Bengals um, are better is in the ranking on um, scoring. They're ranked 14, Cleveland's ranked 19. So, uh, and not, not a big difference there either, only a couple points. So this could be a very interesting game. Okay. And going with the bias and the Bengals. Denver Broncos at Dallas Cowboys bias plus score 7.4 favors the Dallas Cowboys. Dak is Dak back or not? Uh, by all indications, Dak will be back. Um, I, I don't. I haven't heard anything to the controversy. To the controversy, I haven't heard anything to the contrary as far as like a setback or anything. I think they've just been having him take it easy and get treatment. So yeah, he should be fine. All right, there you go, there you go. Next up. Uh, take the Cowboys, sorry. He's taking the Cowboys, going with the bias. Houston Texans at Miami Dolphins, bias plus score of only 3.3 favors the Miami Dolphins. Bounce back game for Houston, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so disappointed with the Dolphins. I don't know what to do with myself, man. But but the crazy thing is, two is playing pretty well. Like, you know, he, he heard the whispers about Deshaun. He picked up his game. They just can't put an entire game together to get the wins. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with, with the Dolphins on this. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm take the easy way out and go with the bias. <laughs> the, the, both teams are uh, are in the negative as far as net points are concerned. Interesting, you know um, how close they they actually are. Uh, Miami is twenty eight on offense, and Houston's thirty second, and there's really only a two point per game differential. So, uh, yeah, but. but, but Texans have really been smacked around. They've taken some really crushing losses. Like, I, I don't know how long they're even going to be able to hold it together, man. And with the loss of uh, Ingram, also, they, lo they lose a, a run. Ingram's so happy to be the hell out of tag. <laughs> we'll I'm talk sure. about him with the, with the um, Saints, but it's hilarious. Okay, you're going with the Dolphins and the bias? Yes, sir. Ah, there we go. We just talked about it. Atlanta Falcons going to visit the New Orleans Saints. Vice plus score 15.2. Favors the New Orleans Saints. But that 15.2 bias was built by one Jameis Winston and company. No longer there. 
who's quarterbacking for the Saints? Uh, when I was talking about the Saints game, I, I, I lost my train of thought there. Taysom Hill is going to probably be the incumbent now, but he got a concussion and did not play last week, which is why they brought in Trevor Simeon. Uh, I think as soon as Taysom Hill is okay, uh, they will begin to start him at quarterback and we'll see. I mean, in some people's minds, that was the move that was supposed to be made at the beginning of the season anyway. Some people think that they were doing Jameis a solid by letting him get one more shot at being a viable NFL quarterback on a decent team with a good coach. Now that he's out for the season and he was working on a one-year deal, some people are saying he probably won't be back with the Saints next year. That remains to be seen depending on how Taysom Hill takes the team from here on out, okay? Um, that being said, if Taysom Hill is healthy, he will start this game. It'll be interesting. He does bring a running component. Um, the Falcons have been a little up and down, but they haven't gone quietly in their losses, uh, except for last week, which was actually Matt Ryan's worst game. So if Matt Ryan plays well, this is not a gimme for the Saints, who may be coming in with Trevor Simeon on the start or Taysom Hill in his first start in a long time coming off a concussion. Ah, ah. It's in New Orleans. I've noticed a lot of teams that have not been playing well at home have played better on the road. I noticed that also. You I noticed that? that? Some, of the, some of the games, um, uh, especially when looking at yeah, – yeah, I've noticed. I'll just say I noticed that. Let me yeah, also mention yeah. real quick, the, the main difference between these two teams is relative to the defense. I mean, uh -huh. let's face it. The Falcons' defense is rated 26. And the New Orleans defense is rated four. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much going to be the deciding factor with me. Again, I have to go with the bias and take the Saints, no matter how well Matt Ryan plays. I don't. They don't have a dynamic run offense to begin with, and this, nobody runs on the Saints. So, you know, it it would have to be all Matty Ice, and I don't I don't know if he can do it. He's Ridley's out. Gage isn't playing that well, and people are starting to figure out how to how to slow pits down. Yeah, this this one. Yeah, I've got to go with the Saints. The only caveat: this is a division game, right? Yes, it is, and it's not that far past Halloween, so strange things could happen. But it would have to be a strange thing. All right, the Raiders. At your New York Giants, much less. Mm. So they're coming from Vegas. So they're no longer on the coast. So they're coming from Vegas to the East Coast to visit your Giants. Bias plus score of eight favors the Las Vegas Raiders. All right. I'll leave it at that. What you got? Uh, you can't help but think, you know, with everything going on in Vegas, how this is going to affect the Raiders as a team. The Gruden thing didn't bother him that much. I didn't see it in their play. And in fact, um, the coaching has been a lot different with, uh, I think his name is Bashimi, Bashami, 
whatever the guy's name is that took over as head coach. I like the way he's running that team right now. And the players seem to be thriving. I know they're going to feel bad for their teammate as well as if they got any hearts at all, which I'm sure all of them do feel bad for the person who passed away and their family. Um, we'll talk about that incident later, but how it affects the team, I'm not exactly sure, but it might even be good that they're getting out of town. Um, their offense is still pretty dynamic. Derek Carr is playing extremely well. Nothing seems to phase Derek Carr right now. While we were on a little break, I looked at a video of him at a press conference saying he's going to reach out to Henry Ruggs, that right now he needs somebody to love him and he's going to do it. He says he's going to prove it to him because he doesn't have to prove it to anybody else. He's my man. He's my friend. You know, all, Derek Carr is on a mission this year. I don't know if he can drag the whole team with him is vying for sainthood right about now i've heard him he was like i wish i could have been there to help him i wish he had known that i would have been there to help him and i'm like oh he's just he is great i mean gee, the, the guy's a great teammate i believe this This is not phony stuff no he, i believe him too yeah he loves his teammates and i think they love him and i think they're going to ride for him so unfortunately it's against my team but i got to go with the raiders all right i hear you there you go they going ben's going with the bias and the las vegas raiders all right here we go new england patriots at carolina panthers bias plus score five favors the patriots the young bulls getting favored now <laughs> hilarious, hilarious. I mean, he's going against he's going against uh sam darnold so that's no big deal i'm going to go with the bias again and take the patriots there's there's no way uh, <laughs> there's no way that Belichick doesn't out coach. <laughs> Can you imagine the Easy. Belichick book on Sam Darnold? Oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Just that little time in in with the Jets. He's put in plenty of film study and on yeah, no doubt about it. Oh my god. <laughs> oh geez, this this one could get ugly. <laughs> all right here we go ben's going with the bias <laughs> and the patriots next up 32 flavors favors the buffalo bills over the jacksonville jaguars all right what does jacksonville have to do to win this game that's the kind of question they ask on tv hijack buffalo's plane <laughs> <laughs> They got get to, it, remember the guy they, had to, they got to go hire the guy that remember he's playing at the the sprinklers and stuff all in the in the turf and the guy's running for the touchdown he's in there in the control room hitting the buttons <laughs> and the stuff is popping that up was out commercial the wasn't it yeah <laughs> yeah i remember that oh right the buffalo wild wings and everybody's like ah and their team starts winning they, yeah <laughs> that was crazy that was crazy that's what they need but Stranger things have happened. So, well, who you got? That'd be an awfully, awfully strange thing. Take the bills. Take the bills. Go with the bias. That's a, that's probably the strongest bias plus score of the week. And yes, it is. That's the biggest. Okay. 
<sighs> Minnesota Vikings at Baltimore Ravens. Ravens coming off a bye, right? Yes. Uh, plus score 1.7 favors those Ravens. And again, this is why we're doing the averages now because them coming off a bye, we didn't want to, you know, have the balance of actual points scored to be out of balance in terms of the numbers of games. So we went with averages. I think next year, Ben, we're just going to start out with averages and stick with them through the year and just get used to them. You know, That's we can cool. always extrapolate the gross numbers because, again, this is through week. These numbers were done through week eight. So if you multiplied it by eight times, you know, that that's almost two, eight times two is 16. So you're looking at maybe a bias plus score of 16. But again, over an eight game season, that's not that big a deal. So um, this could be a, a very good game. Kirk Cousins now starting to get called out. We're going to talk about it in the comments section of the game where the article uh, uh, we posted on Ben and Barry on football. <clears throat> so 1.7 favors the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Ravens um, mainly because if, if they weren't coming off of the bye, they had a couple of little shaky games there. I might have had to give uh, more thought to picking the Vikings in a game like that. But coming off the bye, I think whatever ailed them has been fixed. I'm going to give John Harbaugh that much credit. Uh, that 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 he's he's covered up some things and 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 tinkered with a few things, especially on offense. And um, the Ravens' defense has not been great, but I think they're good enough to at least keep Kirk Cousins under control. Especially considering that he is the guy that could be sky high one week and throw a complete clunker the next week. So I cannot have any more faith in Kirk Cousins until I see him start to string together a bunch more of those multiple touchdown games. So I'm going to go with the Ravens. You said one week to the next week, and I'm thinking one quarter to the next quarter. <laughs> it's, it's been that way from time to time also. Going with the bias and the Ravens. All right, Benny, next up. The L.A. Chargers at. The Philadelphia Eagles and the bias plus score skew is in <laughs> favoring the Philadelphia Eagles by two. All right. Well, this will be the first one I go against the bias, not just because of the skew. Because uh, when you really think about it, after the Eagles showed how well they could run the ball, you have to remember that the Chargers' run defense is down around the bottom of the league. They've had a lot of trouble stopping run offenses. Problem for the Eagles is they're not really a run offense. They just gave the ball to a whole bunch of different guys and put them out there against a high school team called the Detroit Lions. So I'm not giving any credit <laughs> to that, nor do I think they even have the cojones to come out and attempt to run a strong run game against the Chargers. So I'm going with the Chargers. Justin Herbert, bounce back, three touchdowns, maybe more. Ben, questioning the cojones of the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> See, I'm in trouble again now. It's crazy. Going against the bias, however. All right, there you go. Next up. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, Lord. Give me Christmas. 
Green Bay Packers at Kansas City Chiefs. Ben, this was this was one of the games that I had marked as a potential intriguing game of, of the week. And I didn't mention any of the other games that I'm looking at, but the Baltimore-Minnesota game, the Philadelphia Chargers game, uh, the Packers game was on there, and there's what's coming up. We haven't talked about it yet. What game that's coming up is still on the list. But everything has changed. AR is not going to be there. He lied. Let me just say it up there. He lied. He lied. He lied. Okay. lied or he deceived. He lied. Okay, I'll say he deceived. He deceived. Yeah. <laughs> it was deception at the highest order, almost Trump-like in his use of wording. Nah, um, he was better than Trump. Oh, Trump's a very good liar. Yeah, no, he's not a very good liar. He has he lies, huh? he lies to dumb people who just happen to believe him. He's not a good liar. That but, was but he tells the biggest, most bodacious, bold-faced lies. Yeah. Then challenges you to um uh, to um re refute it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, what? So anywho, he challenges you to refute it while he knows he has the backing of, quote, unquote, by him, some of the dumbest people in America, <laughs> his constituents, his people that back him. He knows those goofballs are going to run interference for him. Hey, get out of here. It was a deception. He's been immunized, as he said in an earlier uh, report. And it flew over some people's heads, did not fly over mine. I, I wondered real quick why he didn't use the word vaccinated. First, I thought he was just having some wordplay. But then I said, hmm, this Aaron Rodgers we're talking about, you know, Mr. Free Spirit, Mr. I'm letting my hair grow long and all that stuff. But anyway. Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, the whole, the, all, all that stuff. He just came out last week and said how much fun he's having and what a great season it is and how him and his teammates are loving each other up and all this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you're not vaccinated. Like that kind of doesn't go with the whole, you know, I'm, I'm loving what's going on here and, and, and I'm rallying the troops and all that stuff. You got to keep everybody safe, bro. But if he truly believed in whatever process he went through for this immunization, who am I to say? You know what I mean? This all is all I know is... This is the challenge, play, man. There's no way to scientifically say that what he did helped. Having a strong... I don't know what he did. It, it, having a strong immune system is going to help you with any disease. But, yeah. you know, it doesn't necessarily... Because, you know, and a number of people that get sick, with, that get COVID just don't get sick. That's the challenge here when you're not vaccinated is that he would not have even had, and I don't think he even had symptoms as much as they just, the part of the testing protocol picked it up. And that's the one great thing about the NFL is their testing protocol. But the real question right now is Jordan Love and can he get it done against the Kansas City turnover prone Chiefs right now? I think. The Chiefs' problems are not going to go away. I think the Packers' defense 
is going to go in there and handle their business and they will carry it well first of all it's going to be aaron jones left aaron jones right aaron jones up the middle they're going to throw it to him short they're going oh, wait, to wait 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 don't forget the other running back i didn't forget they're going oh, to throw on. it to him short they're going to throw it to him long and when he goes like this that means he's tired and he'll come out and get the oxygen tank and aj dylan's going to go in and play jerome bettis jr on. <laughs> their defense stinks who's it's defense horrible who's defense Chiefs have no defense oh, geez, okay. whatsoever there's no oh when i say their defense stinks just assume i'm talking about the chiefs if i just walk if i just come over and say how you doing bad their defense stinks just assume i'm talking about the chiefs that's how bad they are i'm taking the packers to win on the road well, that's the packers defense is rated ninth and that's even better than it was last year so uh i gotta i gotta give it to him all right ben's going with the pack the jordan love led green bay packers and going with the bias. All right. Arizona Cardinals at San Francisco 49ers bias plus score of 15.4 favors the Arizona Cardinals. The question is Kyler going to play? Let me ask you a question. Is this is this the um your first matchup with the Cardinals this season? No, we played them before, remember? Right. How bad they beat you? It was kind of close. It was, a, it was a good game, right? I thought I kind of remembered it being a good game. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's the thing. I know they're looking at the film and all that. I know they've noticed the changes that the Cardinals have made in their offense, you know, coming into the season. I don't know that they've changed that much between, you know, the season starting and now, except for specific scheme type stuff for their opponents so if they noticed anything they should have noticed that you can get to Kyler now I don't know what Bose has been eating but he he needs to he needs to be ready for this game if they can get to Kyler they can win this game you can run the ball on the Cardinals yes you can Jimmy G is at his game manager best right now. Debo Samuels is this close to breaking every ball that he catches. This is your opportunity. I'm going against the bias and I'm going with the Niners. Don't blow it. Oh, that's amazing. When's Kittle coming back? Jimmy Christmas. Everything changes possible. Uh, I heard that they designated for him to come off of the IR. I think sometimes. No. I think they okayed for him to come back to practice. Officially, he's still on IR, but uh, unless something changed in, in recently, but he is allowed to practice while still being designated as a, as on IR. And then if he gets in a couple of good practices in a row, they'll probably take him off IR and make him active. Um, so we, oh, week ten for sure. If you don't play this week, week 10, he'll be starting. Great, great. And just to mention, um, the Niners played Arizona week five, 
in a 17-10 loss looked like Lance was the quarterback. He had 192 yards passing and 89 yards rushing. Yeah, 17-10. That means the defense played well against a Cardinals team that's ranked very high in points four. So, you know, okay, uh, let me see. Today's Thursday, right? Yesterday, Kyle Shanahan said he expects George Kittle back for week nine. It would be Kittle's first game back or first game eligible to return from IR. Yeah, all he's got to do is put in a couple of practices, man. He'll probably he'll have a limited for, You think he'll be back for this game then? Kyle Shanahan said nine. he expects him to play. Um, and now also uh, Watt is gone, right? He's gone for the for the uh, Cardinals. Jay's yeah, gone. He's done. He's done. I need a big game from Elijah. I need Kittle just to take a little something away for uh, because Debo gonna get his. Nobody covered Debo. So Debo's going to get his. If Kittle can do just enough to allow one of the other receivers to make a big catch or two, you don't need a lot. You know what I mean? Because they'll probably double Debo. He's playing, Debo's playing nuts right now. Now, I'm going to say this real quick, and we can talk about it more in depth later if you want to. They ran Garoppolo near the goal line twice <laughs> like design run plays did anybody lay a finger on him pardon me did anybody lay a finger on him maybe a finger or two it, it worked pretty well it worked okay. pretty well okay you know i i just i just with our run game and our genius coach i'm thinking to myself there you should have other run options if you need garoppolo and it's a playoff or something like that. That's one thing. But I think we should be able to score from inside the 10 without running Garoppolo, the, the Mr. You know, injury prone, you know, Garoppolo. You know, and that just to me, that's not making sense. And Garoppolo seems to be enjoying, he seems to be relishing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's all of a sudden. The other, the other teams think the same way you do. That's why it's working. <laughs> Like there's no way they're gonna let him run it. You know what it reminds me, however, little kids who get who who run across the street and beat the traffic, and they do it once or twice successfully. That is a great analogy. <laughs> That's a great analogy. <laughs> Sometimes they just shoot out there, and they're like cool as a mug. Then that one time, the guy just brushes them like, oh, that one was close. Then they go a few, and then that last pump, bah! <laughs> you know? You got me laughing about kids getting hit by cars. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. But I get where you're coming from. What can I say? All right, so you're going <laughs> with the Niners and going against the bias. And again, ladies and gentlemen, remember, this is my beloved 49ers, so you know if the bias is against them, the numbers are the numbers. There's no opinion. There's no conjecture. I'm not changing the numbers. I got to live with what it is that we're dealing with here. Okay. We don't put these teams in these positions. They put themselves in these positions. And again, the Arizona Cardinals and the Rams look like the leaders for the NFC West. All right, Benny. 
Where are we at here? Uh-oh. Looks like the Sunday night game. Looks like the Sunday night game. Tennessee Titans at LA Rams. And yes, this was the other potential intriguing game of the week. 1.8 by a score favors the Rams. And the Titans now do not have Derrick Henry. We have, what, Adrian Peterson coming in? Maybe. I don't know if he's going to get a chance to play in this game. Who do you have? Possibly. uh, They're going to start off with Jeremy McNichols first. Um, They have a couple of other options, but those guys are young and haven't had a lot of playing time. Uh, Adrian Peterson did go down there. He had a workout. They liked what they saw. So they're pretty much just trying to get him up to date with the playbook. And then, you know, they'll probably plug him in and, and see how he does. If McNichols plays relatively well, and remember, McNichols is nowhere near the type of bruising back that Derrick Henry is, but he does run. He's okay, but he's more of a third down back and he's really good in the passing game. He's got good hands. He's got good speed. So if he can continue to do that, or they expect him to be able to continue to do that, but the running game is lacking, then they will probably use Adrian Peterson as the first, second down back, and then McNichols as the third down back going forward, unless AD breaks out or something, um, which, you know, if, if there's anybody close to a Superman and there's a couple guys out there, he's definitely one of them. I've seen him do amazing things in the past. Um, he's been sitting around working out, sitting around, huh? Sitting around working out. Those two things don't go together. He's been working out, you know, staying in shape because he feels like he's still got some juice. So we will see. But in this game, mm, too much offense on the Rams, baby. Way too much offense for them to deal with. They, they, they just, the Titans just have to figure out, can they move the ball? Can they throw the ball effectively if the run game doesn't gel? And can they score? The Rams will have no problem putting up points on these guys. I'm taking the Rams. That's an easy one. All right. Taking the Rams. Tennessee's going to have to figure out who they are now without Derrick Henry. That changes your personality, you know, as far as I'm concerned. All right. Monday night football. We have the Chicago Bears at... The Pittsburgh Steelers by a split score, 7.9 favors. Those Steelers, that sounds about right. Is Fields ready to go out there and do his thing, man? In Steelers Stadium? Gee, me Christmas, man. It must be fun to be a young guy. And all of a sudden, now you're in like a historic stadium like this, going up against the Steelers. Ah, it's got to be fun. Got to be fun. He might not have got been taken as high in the draft as some people thought, but he's getting his shot now. So what do you got? Well, this game could actually be somewhat competitive if the head coach lets his staff do the coaching. <laughs> it's there and doesn't do anything. But chances of that happening is slim to none. He's going to come back. He's going to try to shove himself back into the thick of things just to prove some kind of goofy point, the dude's going to get fired. So I guess he's feeling like, you know what? I might as well. What the hell? The seat can't get any hotter. Everybody hates me now. (laughs) So 
I mean, what the heck? If he sits back and lets them coach and they're successful, win games or not, if Fields plays well, that's success for the Bears because he's their future. So, you know, you can fix the defense and all that, but this guy is it. So we have to at least get him playing well. And part of getting him playing well is to letting him let him run the ball sometimes, not just scramble out of trouble and try to get downfield. They put an actual place for this guy to run, which the head coach refused to do. And he ran for 103 doggone yards. So play to his strengths. You can make this a bit of a game, but I think the Steelers are going to win this one. Anyway, doesn't, it's not going to, they're home. <laughs> they got the right formula. You know, they're getting rid of the ball quick. So Ben doesn't take any extra hits. Uh, they got a great underneath receiver in Deontay Johnson who can, in fact, take you up top two if they need him to. They also have Claypool, who's really the long ball guy, whose numbers have come down. If you got him in fantasy, I would hang on to him. But right now his numbers are down because they're just not throwing the deep ball. And then, of course, Najee Harris, who's in the running for rookie of the year uh, at the running back. So, yeah, and the defense is playing well. Got to go with the Steelers. Yeah, the Bears' defense is ranked 21. Steelers' defense is ranked seventh. Yeah. This is not a big point spread between the two, um, but you're dealing with averages, so, you know, that that's how that works out. Yep. That, Mr. Dickerson, wraps up the Bias Plus reports for week nine out of 18 weeks. So after this week is up, we will have – officially be through halfway through the schedule have completed the first half of the schedule maybe next week we can look do a little retrospective on the first half i'm gonna look at the uh the bias plus reports and see how we did for the first half overall um last week i believe we were 67 percent approximately so uh you know, nine nine out of fifteen for the bias on week eight. Biggest um, surprise again of that was the bias plus buster of the week. The bias plus buster of the week NFL week eight 2021. Congratulations to the New York Jets. Unfavorable bias plus score of 25.4. With a plus three net win, giving them a bias plus buster score of 28.4. That would be Mike friggin' White and the New York Jets. <laughs> Mike friggin' White. <laughs> we got more on Mike White coming up in the next section, which would be the comments section. All right. <clears throat> All right, Benny, let's get ready to do the comments section. We're going to try to move through these comments quickly, and that's going to be hard because there's so much happened this week, and some of this stuff is just absolutely bananas. But let's start out. Okay, we had an undefeated team, and then when they got defeated, you know who celebrated, right? Yep. Whatever Miami Dolphins are still left living from the uh... – <laughs> <laughs> from the undefeated team, 72 <laughs> So again, congratulations, congratulations to the 72 
Miami Dolphins, the only undefeated team in NFL history. Speaking of, hey, Ben, I took a quick look. Um, I was on my game pass, and they had this thing by the history of the NFL, like where it came from and right. all of the leagues and the teams that preceded it that eventually became the current NFL. Right. We got to watch that together one day, <laughs> even yeah. if we just stream it and put it on there. That was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. And the intersection between baseball names and football names and, you know, oh, yeah, 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 all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, that was some amazing stuff, man. I, I had to admit, I sat there while I was doing the numbers and it was running in the background and I'm like, holy mackerel, you know? So, I mean, they even mentioned, for example, the Steagles, right? When the Steelers and the Eagles yeah. came together, yeah. I think it was wartime or something like that. And they didn't have yeah. enough people, so they combined teams. You know, and, and you know who else I thought? I thought about Blade Brown. I mean, if you want to know how a league goes from point zero to where it is now, you know, and all the teams that came and went in the meet, it was amazing. It was amazing. All right. Moving right along. Uh, <laughs> quarterback rankings based on QBR. Which do you prefer? Um, QBR or um, what is it? Uh, What's the other ranking, the basic ranking that they have? Completion percentage? Pass, passer rating. QBR versus passer QBR is passer rating. No, they're actually different. QBR is something ESPN came up with. They have their own yeah. explanation for how you get a QBR. And, but, and, and if you go to their site, you can actually look at both of them, the passer rating and the QBR, and the numbers are a bit different. Um, Okay, I we'll, we'll move on about that, but this is ranked basing, uh, based on QBR, not on passer rate. That's cool. So, all right. It, it, it's probably a little bit more complicated formula, but I think um, it's going to be relatively the same when it's all said and done. The numbers will be different, but the, the actual ranking of each player is going to be pretty close. I brought this on. Um, I. I don't know if you saw the play, but the it was a play where the tackler came in, and the tacklers. Okay, here's the tackler. Here's the running back. The tackler came comes in. The running back drops his head. The tackler's way down here. They hit helmets and they call helmet to helmet against the defender. I mean, really. It, it's just getting to the point where it's like, it, that's ridiculous. First, that's of all, one of the... First of all, if it was a running back, which I think it was, okay, they don't get the benefit of the whole uh, defenseless player thing. Only right. receivers get that, okay? Not to mention that this guy saw him coming and dropped down to his level as if to actually protect his legs from being hit. He put his upper body in his head in harm's way. That, that was a horrible man. call. Mm. It was a terrible, terrible call. Re really bad. It's like these refs are reaching for stuff now. I, I don't know why. Yeah, that, that's, and it's really putting a damper on the game. You know, it really is, man. All right, next up. <laughs> Have you watched... The, during the Monday night football game on a different channel, they're playing the game, but they have 
Peyton and Eli commenting the whole time, and then they're bringing in guests. Yes. In particular case, they had John Stewart. Yes. <laughs> I was love. First of all, I'm just fascinated to hear what comes out of Peyton's mouth. You know, as he's analyzing or breaking down the play and talking about what could have happened, what should have happened, and all of that stuff. Because this is Peyton Manning. Now, Eli's a little more in the back, but Eli will say a few things that make you go, hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'm like, why have I really not? I, you know, I've been skipping passing, going right to the game and just watching the game, but I'm definitely going to include more of Eli and Peyton on Monday Night Football when I'm watching. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch the replay of their version. I don't like to watch it while the actual game is on, but I'll, I'll watch the replay of their version uh, for a few laughs. Uh, Peyton, Peyton, the difference between them is Peyton likes to show off his knowledge and Eli really doesn't. <laughs> Eli's a little bit more subdued as far as saying, look at this formation. Look at that. If he goes here and checks down to that, and this guy's got a blah, 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 blah. Peyton likes doing that stuff. Eli kind of keeps it to himself. But every once in a while, he'll go, no, nah, because da, 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 da. So, you know, that's the difference. The guests are kind of, to me, the guests are kind of haphazard, which is why they got burnt when they brought Marshawn Lynch on there. And the guy just starts spewing F-bombs and, and cursing all over the place. You know, they're going to have to do a little better job of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I missed I missed that particular episode, um, but I love John Stewart. So anything John Stewart does, I'm on board for the most part. All right. It's time for the Vikings to blow up the Kirk Cousins-Mike Zimmer partnership. <laughs> Can you believe they're, they're actually doing articles now? This is the big lead.com. It says here, thanks to the two year extension cousin received in 2020, Minnesota can't get rid of the quarterback without facing a dead cap hit of about $45 million. <laughs> Straight from the article. I mean, that's like half of the, of the uh, 84 that he got. That's crazy. I you know, some people are, I think I've heard more complaints about Zimmer than I've heard about Cousins. They're saying the offense is unimaginative. And I guess that could mean different things to different people. Uh, the defense needs a lot of work. But yeah, when you, when you got Adam Thielen and, 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 and Jefferson, you got to do better. And Dalvin Cook, come on. You got to do better than that. You got to do better than that. <laughs> you just got to do better. You put them guys on the Giants, and people will be like, Daniel Jones, Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we talk about the brain trust. We talked about how, how good a job teams like the Buccaneers did, you know, and, and putting together their, their, their roster under the cap. And, you know, they just extend Kirk Cousins and they didn't even put incentives in there. I mean, he would have had to have an incentive laden contract if I, if I had anything to do with it, you know? 
So he does some good things. You know, he does some good things, no doubt about it. But, you know, I think he's got the Trubisky gene. All right, let's go ahead and talk about it real quick. It, it, it gave me a headache. It hurt my heart. Henry Ruggs, DUI arrest and release. Uh, they're saying he was like 190 some miles per hour, intoxicated with a passenger, killed the lady and her dog, um, arrested out on bail from what I understand. And one thing I did read was that in Nevada, there is no probation for this type of conviction. So if he gets convicted, we're looking at two to 20 mm. for a man who had a promising NFL career, um, you know, and was a, a focal part of that team. It's just, yeah. I'm sad for him. I'm sad for her, the lady who lost her life and their family. It, and it just seems so unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. There's, the, I mean, a couple of side notes I heard. One was, you know, when he makes a big play or he scores a touchdown, he puts up three <laughs> fingers. That's supposed to be a tribute to somebody that he played with, either in college or high school or something, a friend of his, who lost his life in a car accident. Wow. So I don't know the circumstances of how that happened. All right. But if you're going to drink to the point of being double over the legal limit and then drive your car at 150 plus miles an hour in the city. <laughs> and from what I heard, it was a residential area. Like, dude, what are you doing? I don't even care he had a gun in the car, but you know they had to throw that in. Oh, yeah, they threw that in. It's they like they threw the part in. about he killed the dog, too. He might get some extra time for that. Hey, I, it's 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 not a good look. And any leniency that he may have uh, uh, maybe been able to, his law or his lawyer may be able to wiggle out, some of that's going to go away, too, because he had a passenger in the car. And she got hurt. Like she's not, it's not life-threatening, but she's kind of jacked up. So, you know, not only did you not think about your life, but you didn't think about your passenger's life. And then you hit a complete stranger and took that person's life. Like there's nothing good gonna come out of this for this guy. It's, it's and, a shame. and the Raiders pretty much straight up released them. Bam, just yeah. like that. Yeah, they gotta they gotta cut ties with that. They, they just can't. cut ties with with them, man. And yeah, they can't mess with that. That that's the challenge when you when you call yourself family, and then they, you know when they do something like this, family does something like that. You know, that's why Derek Carr's book out. Yeah, I we're going to court with the person. You know, we're we you know it's like, you know, but. And that's just a challenge. It's just a challenge. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Mike White, Ben. Let's just play the video. Wait, they made him offensive player of the week? Whatever his name is. Oh, Y'all going too far now. Oh, no. You know what? He's had a PCL. He's out. They said two to four weeks. But a PCL, that's four weeks. What the heck? Current corner story. Who's this guy? 
I don't know, but he doesn't look handsome enough to be Kurt Warner. He doesn't look anything like Kurt at all. At all, I know. Because, you know, he's going to have to act his way into this. But where does he look like a, oh, huh? Where does he look like an actor I'm even familiar with? Trying <laughs> to figure out. Wait, 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 wait. What's the guy watch? What's the guy coming in for the Jets, right? Uh, yeah, he's Mike White. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry, bro. Look at Mike, man. Look at Mike here. I made I made fun of Mike. <laughs> I gotta apologize. I gotta apologize. He took his team to a win. I gotta give it to him, man. Mike White's jersey went into the Hall of Fame, Ben. Oh, Lord. Jersey went in. Yeah. We were talking about whether or not, okay, well, if the jersey went in, but the person doesn't go in, but that's, you know, how they kind of do yeah, it. It was just a significant something that happened while he had the, the jersey on. I, you know, <laughs> I don't At know. At least we recognize Mike White, and we mentioned him before he became infamous. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> you know, I wasn't really dissing Mike White. I was kind of dissing his name. Like, how has, I said to my daughter, I said, he has the most anonymous name. That's like Joe Smith. I mean, you know what I mean? Mike. <laughs> John Brown. You know what I mean? It's just then, one of those names. When I looked, I'm like, well, first of all, I didn't know he was 6'5", number one. <laughs> so Mike White ain't no little guy. He ain't no tour, to, you know, or nothing like that. So it's very interesting. So we'll have to see whether or not he turns out to be Tom Brady. But uh, I just had to fill that in because, you know, hey, look, when we're wrong, we're wrong. We sometimes we just have to face it and have some fun with it. <laughs> Mike White, the official apology from Ben and Barry on football. <laughs> all right, that's all I got. Oh, I got nothing. You got nothing? Well, then. I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to uh, to doing better in week nine than I did in week eight. I'm, I'm embarrassed uh, with my win-loss um, uh, record for week eight. Um, I got thrown a bit by some teams who really, really let me down, who should have won easily. And I stuck my neck out a couple of times for some teams, namely my Giants. Um, and, you know, I'm not believing in any moral victories or anything like that. The game was close. They had their opportunities. They didn't come through. It, that would have been a good win for them and for me, but didn't work out that way. So I'm not going to make any excuses, but I believe week nine, <laughs> I, I shouldn't even be talking about this because I went with the doggone bias on almost every game except one or two. So I can't even brag. Even if I do well, I can't brag. So unless what the hell? Unless you get those couple of outliers that you picked. I mean, you know. Like they, two, though. It's only like well, two. I said a couple, you know. But, hey, I, those would be I big. expect to get them. You know, those would be big. Yeah, All right. I expect to get them. We shall see. We shall see. But next week, maybe we're going to have to include that piece where we actually come back and talk about it, you know, as a little bit more in-depth, man. So we'll yeah. talk about that. All right. Last words? Last words is go Knowles. <laughs> Thank you.